Ready for a career in behavioral health? Earn your online degree at Herzing University. Choose from health and human services, psychology, or social work programs. Gain the skills to work, coordinate, and manage nonprofits. Secure a bachelor's in psychology to study mental health or advance your social work career through our online Masters of Social Work. Let us help you become a social change agent. Your future starts now at Herzing University. Text HEALTH to 85109. That's HEALTH to 85109. Or visit herzing.edu. We'll start this right there, man. I mean, um, yeah. So did you grow up in Vancouver though? Yeah. You know, uh, well, no, um, I did, but I've been here over half my life now, but my, my, I actually grew up just outside of Toronto in Ontario. Um, and you know, for those that are in the, you know, other parts of the world that don't understand Canada, just so you know, (laughs) that's, uh, just North of Michigan. So you have Detroit right across the bridge there. Right. There's, uh, um, uh, a very industrious uh, town, St. Catharines, and then where Toronto was just uh, a little bit further in. So, uh, but that's where I grew up as a kid. Turned eighteen when I graduated high school, and I was like, "Peace out, I'm gone." I <laughs> moved all the way from the east to the west, yeah. And uh, I never looked back. You know, that's just where I've hung my hat, quite literally and and figuratively, for since 1995. You know, just yeah, to date myself now too. You know, oh. like I'm. <laughs> I mean, was that just something you always wanted to do is go West or? You, you know, I, I, I love the mountains. I really yeah. do. Uh, and I, I was always attracted to the mountains, but also the ocean, you know, like uh, growing up in Ontario, um, it's a lot of lakes, you know, we have Lake Ontario, one of the great lakes. Awesome. Sure. It's nice, but it's not the ocean, you know, like it's very different. And uh, so, yeah, there, there was that draw, but also the idea of, of, starting anew as my own person you know like I, I think we all sort of go through that stage you know we, we hit that adult age we graduate high school and then we're left thinking what now what do I do now exactly. and, and for me it was like well I don't want to stay in small town Ontario I want to go and have my own life and I wanted to go somewhere where no one would know me I didn't know anybody here and I was like okay let's go to Vancouver and uh fortunately for me I got into um UBC, the university here as well. So that made the, e, the, the the transition a little bit easier, you know, especially with my parents. It's like, well, I got into school here. So bye. Yeah. You know, I, I, I might come back for a visit, maybe, <laughs> you know, and uh, but yeah, anyways, that's that's uh, neither here nor there. But uh, did you grow up? Uh, yeah, so know? basically grew up. Uh, I grew up in a really small rural area about an hour south of Virginia Tech, like I was telling you. So okay. like, farm yeah. and no stoplights. Um, <laughs> where everybody knows everybody, you know, two small general stores. You only hit, you know, if you want to go get to a Walmart or get groceries, it's an hour drive. And wow. Uh, yeah. That's yeah. So uh, it was really, really rural for me growing up. So a lot of stuff I was, really wasn't exposed to just because, you know, my nearest neighbor was, you know, he was pretty close. But as far as my friends and stuff, yeah, we were miles apart from each other. So it wasn't. One of those uh, movie story things where you go ride your bikes around the corner back and meet up with your friends and stuff like that. So, yeah, I didn't get a lot of those interactions or friendship interactions growing up except when I went to school. You know, that was the only time we were all together unless we all would do our best to get our parents to drive us around on the weekends and meet up for basketball practice or whatever. So, yeah. But no, just like what you said, though, uh, when I graduated from high or not high school, uh, college, yeah, all my friends were off doing their own thing and getting jobs and moving like, you know, Charlotte's pretty close to me, too. 
they're moving down there. So I didn't really have anywhere to go. You know, I didn't have a job. I didn't have anything going on just yet. So I said the same thing. I was like, maybe if I pick up and move to a different city, I can just start all over and do something, yeah. you know, a whole new life. So I was just hardcore searching for, you know, internships, jobs or whatever. And I finally got uh, a strength conditioning internship down in uh, Sarasota, Florida. Cool. So, oh, yeah. man. Oh, you went all the way down to Florida. Like yeah, that's a dude. It was a, dude, you know, a leap of faith for sure. Wow. Just because, you know, I just talked to the, uh, I guess my boss at the time on the phone. And he's like, yeah, man, if you're interested, come on down. And this is what you're going to be here to do. And I was like, I got to do it. Why not? Wow. So, yeah. That how was long did that last? It lasted six months or so. So cool. it, it was one of those things that, you know, we went through the practices, got the six months and it got to be like, you know, well, if you want to stay, we still can't really pay you, but uh, you're welcome to stay though. And keep <laughs> Yeah, of course. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to be like, yeah, I, I'll hire as many people as I want. If you don't want to get paid. <laughs> yeah, man. That's great, um, yeah. What a learning experience. Was he a mentor as well? I would imagine he must have yeah, been a mentor so, for you as well. Yeah, so in, in, a, in the beginning, I didn't think of him as a mentor because we were almost the same age. So a little older than me. Okay. And I was just kind of like, oh, okay, he's just running the shop. This is his thing. But as we, I guess, got a little closer and everything. It's like, okay. You know, he helped me see like his side of things, his life path and what things worked out for him. And so, yeah, it, it um, I talked about it on my last podcast that the mentors seem to be almost overrated. And, and I, maybe that's just my opinion because that was like one of the first times I've actually felt like I had a mentor at the time. And it, like during colleges, I was, or college, I was thinking about professors and stuff who tried to be a mentor to me. And at the time I was kind of as I was a huge idiot in college. You know, I was not thinking about my future. I was just thinking about, you know, what are we doing tonight? You know, where's everybody going to be at? I was, and, and I'm, I kind of regret it now, but I was oblivious to it all. And I didn't recognize those signs until later in life. And I was like, damn, I missed that. You know, I missed that door. I missed that opportunity. So. Well, I, I think it's, it's cool that you mentioned that though. Like just your, your, because you're right. You know, the, the term mentor or mentorship, I, I guess it, it, it I mean, it's like any words, right? Language. It's interesting. We all have certain relationships or emotional connections to certain words yeah. or, or concepts, ideas, philosophies, if you will, right? And, and I know that mentorship, coaching, teaching, like we all have different relationships with these terms. But I usually say, you know, like if, if the relationship with the term or the idea isn't a warm one, <laughs> you know, it's not something that you're positive for. I, I always say, well, why? Like, what, what was it? Was it because of one bad experience? Was yeah. it because, you, you know, because it, it, usually it is, you know, a lot of our, our trauma is rooted in experience and, and uh, even our belief systems. Right. Because uh, I, I know there were certain things that I believed when I was younger. Do I believe them now? Not necessarily, because right. my perspective in life has grown. And as it's grown my understanding has also widened. Right. And, uh, but I'm curious, like, you know, with mentorship, because I, I saw it, I didn't get a chance to dive into the episode, but that's also why I sort of brought it up was based on uh, what I think it was, might've been one of the messages we were interacting on. And, but just mentorship now for you, what do you think? Like, what is it? Like, I, I guess, what would you want at a mentorship? Because so, I think that's that's the important thing to ask is like if you were in a mentorship relationship, what is it that you expect out of it, right? Yeah. So you know, I always look back on it now that you know you watch movies or see the guys mm -hmm. coming into a sports and you know the rookies versus the veteran and the veterans yeah. showing them the way of 
what he did right and what he did wrong. And he's like, Hey man, you know, just don't chase the money. Don't chase this, you know, go for the experience. And it was just like, you know, and all this, it's always that social narrative that the rookie's like, no man, I'm here to have a good time. And I'm really good. I'm better than you. You're just old and don't know what you're talking about. And so, yeah, but I think that's what, you know, a guidance, so to speak that, mm-hmm. and me just actually settle, settling down. And not, like I said, I was an idiot in college, actually recognizing, <laughs> Hey, you know, this person has taken a interest in me for whatever reason. And that he's trying to show me, you know, what worked for him in life, him or her in life and how he got to, you know, be successful in their own definition of it. So that's what I think is one of the biggest things. Like if I, if it ever came back around and I had somebody come into my life like that again, it was like, Ooh, yeah. Okay. You know, maybe, you know, it's just like you said, I had a really small perspective in life and life experiences growing up, you know, it was only just what my friends did or my parents were taught, you know, you know, I'm 30, I'm going to be 36 this year. So I didn't really get the internet until 2006 or so. So when, in college, you know, that's right when Facebook and stuff started coming out. So, yeah, yeah. You know, like, you know, I've said it before on here. They're like, you know, being a, I was one of those party guys in college, you know? And so that, you know, my parents really never drank and none of my family never really drank either, but my only experiences came from big parties and it was like social, the social narrative. Let's see how much we can drink. Let's black yeah. out stuff. And, it was like, you know, coming to realizations and listening to other people and reading books and trying to broaden my perspectives in life or my horizons, whatever you want to say. Like, you know, it's not really all about that, man. You can you can go have a drink and just chill. You know, you doesn't you don't have to get blackout drunk to have cool or be fun. So that's just one of the when I started realizing, hey, it's not always about that. Hope that, hope that kind of made sense. No, you know, it did, because it's also it, it alludes to this idea of role models. Right. And. Sure. Because I think I think that's kind of where there's there there might be some confusion, right? Because I think it sometimes all gets lumped in together, right? Like a role then, model versus mentor. Yeah, okay, yeah. Because okay. it, it, it's like I, let's put it this way: mentors. I find there's there's often a personal relationship there. You know, like there's there's more than just observing somebody or watching what they do or reading about what they do. There's often a deeper interaction or connection. It, it's it's it is very much uh, uh, it, it's like someone's taking the time to not only ask really clarifying questions, right? Like questions that make us think and think hard (laughs) about maybe some of the choices or actions that we're making right now and and really being accountable about, well, if I'm making these decisions now, I do that today, but how's that going to influence tomorrow and the day after and the day after that, right? And and really getting clear with the impact that today's decisions make, how does it affect our future? And I find mentors are really good at that. Where role modeling is just acting as if, you know, I'm already living a certain way and just watch me and do what I do and, you know, like just emulate the good habits as an example. And, And I think a lot of us, like, especially with the way the internet and everything works today, I mean, there's a lot of role modeling happening only based on the fact that we are so attracted to um, influencers, right? Uh, especially people that have very large platforms or celebrity, right? Like yeah. we end, end up looking at them, watching what they do, and we often copy what they're doing. So in a way, they are in a role model role, you know? And I, I've been thinking about some of these, and it's not always in a good way, right? <laughs> like sometimes we're role modeling poor habits, Poor behaviors. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, just like you said, an influencer with, you know, a hundred thousand followers or a million followers. And it's somebody who just, you know, fitness model who just shows her ass on Instagram. It gets, you know, but, you know, and that's, you know, it takes, you know, I said uh, before that, you know, students growing up now that their minds are sponge. So they see that and that's their definition of success now. That's right. 
you know, it's like, you know, you see, I've watched a couple of movies now, um, or not even movies. I was watching uh, Prince, new Prince of Bel-Air. And like one of the narrative scenes was like, how many followers do you have? It was like, you know, 5,000. Wow. And then it's like, no, you're not successful. You say something like, you know, you're not even, you know, to be seen unless you get 50,000 followers or something. Wow. It was something stupid like that. I, I butchered that. Wow. But yeah, but, well, I, but I, get I see what you're saying. Yeah. But because it's just like, you see all that and like, you see the lifestyle and what, you know, Instagram wants you to see and all that. It's like, yeah, that's what I want in my life. But it's really just, you know, it's like the iceberg theory. And that's what's on top of what you're seeing, all the glamour and all the cool stuff, but what's on the bottom of what's really going on underneath, you know? Yeah. And what's, you know, I love that you brought that up too, you know, cause Chris, uh, the role modeling, anybody can role model certain habits and behaviors. You know, like I think about our parents. Our parents not only become our mentors, our heroes, our quite literally our world, but we often learn by watching them as kids, you know, when we're growing up, you know, and I became very aware of this. I wasn't as aware when I was a kid about it. <laughs> now, yeah, because yeah. I have my own kids, right? And I'm like, where the hell did you learn to do? Oh, oh, <laughs> you know, I'm like, I know where you got that habit from. Oops, you know, like, and that's this role modeling aspect because it's not always in a positive way either. And, and it, so it's, it's having that awareness, you know, but here's the thing, you know, I've had a lot of amazing mentors and I got a great mentor in my life right now. He's not online. It's funny. Like he's not, what I mean by he's not online, he's online. Many of his businesses are online, but he himself has no social presence with the exception of a LinkedIn profile. That's it. You know, and he doesn't spend a lot of time online and, and, you know, but he's been a mentor and I would have never imagined him had I not had the opportunity to connect with him, meet him and start to have some conversations and then realize that, yes, I, I, I would love to be mentored by you. You know, like, are you open to that? Like, are you open to helping me? And, and cause it's a big ask, right? We gotta be vulnerable in order to say, Hey, for like, sure. extending a hand forward and asking for help, man, it is such a, a humbling exercise, but it's also a scary exercise, mm -hmm. you know, like putting your hand out and saying, Hey, can you help me? And then, cause there's always the fear, like, what if they say no, right? It's just like yeah. going on a date. It's like, I'm going to ask this girl. And it's like, Oh God, she might say no. So I don't <laughs> want to do it. You know? And, and I find that with those mentorship relationships, they often form the same way. You know, it's like, you got to ask, you got to set the intention ask for help and, and hope that, that they're open or they have time or bandwidth or at least the ability to, to support us in a way that allows us to follow a path like the one that they've already followed. And, and I think that's the difference mentors versus coaches. Sometimes we get coaching, but it's like a teacher in university that might be teaching about business, but they've never owned a business. Yeah. Oh, that's great. You're a great teacher. You understand the mechanics and the theory behind business, but you can coach me and you can teach me. But I wouldn't come to you to mentor me. For sure. Because the mentor typically has real life application. And that's, I call it the same difference between knowledge and wisdom. You know, knowledge is just learning stuff. Right. Wisdom is how we apply it. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And uh, I often equate it to a tomato. You know, tomatoes, right? Yeah. Like, what, what's a tomato? Is it for what, a fruit or vegetable? That's yeah. it. You got it. No, you got it. It's a yeah. fruit. We learned that in school. But right. here, here's wisdom in action. You know, have you ever made a fruit salad? Probably. Yeah, I would think. I'm trying to think the last time, but yeah. Well, yeah, yeah you, you make a fruit like salad. Would you put a tomato in there? Most of the time, right? A tomato well, in a fruit, a fruit salad? salad? No, when you think yeah. about it like that, but most of my salads yeah. already come with tomatoes. But yeah, I agree with what you're saying. But that's right, because tomatoes don't mix well with other fruits. You know, it just doesn't. It gets yeah, all nobody gross was and squishy. Go 
you know, if you want a piece of fruit, I'm first thing to pick is tomato. I get with okay, I'm with you now. So so Apple. here's that thing. It's like you're not going to put a tomato in a fruit salad because it's going to ruin the fruit salad, you know? And and that's wisdom though. Knowledge is knowing that it is a fruit. But if we go by general knowledge, well, it's fruit. So maybe I can put it in a fruit salad. Then you try it once and it ruins the fruit salad. Now you're like, okay, now it's wisdom. <laughs> I won't do that again. You know, and and I, I think that we all have to sort of revisit our own relationships mm-hmm. with 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 that, you know, with what do we know versus what have we actually applied and learned from? Because they're very I'm, different. I'm glad you brought or broken all this down because I never really sat down and said, all right, there's a difference between a role model and a mentor, you know. Mm-hmm. It's never really sat and thought about. I always just thought it's kind of this coexist with each other and it's just whatever you want to call it but yeah that makes total sense exactly what you said but you just talked about having a humbling experience i mean do you think all people should go through these humbling experiences and well i I think we learn to be humble uh (laughs) i think it's uh it's um because i have to be honest i want to say it's a humbling experience i remember you know there's been a couple times in my life where i've asked for help and most specifically it was about 12 years ago uh i was really struggling with alcohol and um you know, it, it became just an easy way for me to manage my stress, sure. my anxiety. You know, I'd, I'd have a couple of drinks and, you know, and I, I, growing up, I had a lot of social anxiety. I, I, I was actually morbidly obese as a teenager. And a lot of people don't know this about me, but yeah, for about five years of my teen years, I was morbidly obese. I was a really, really big kid. Went through some big changes, took about two years to realize the changes and develop a new lifestyle and, and literally get into a new place of health and well-being. Yeah. And it was so worth it. A lot of hard work, but it was so worth it. And it was in that process that, that I became excited to help others with the same transformations, you know, changing their own lives. And because after going through it once, I was like, oh man, I I had people like friends of my parents coming over and asking me, a 17-year-old at the time if I could help them. And I, I'm like, I'm 17. Anytime an adult would come to me and say, Hey, can we talk to you? Uh, I'd be like, what did I do? Did I break the law? Like, you know, like are you a cop? You know, like, <laughs> there's obviously like these insecurities and I would go there. And, and when they started to ask me for help with fitness, nutrition, even how to be more positive or, or about themselves, I, I loved it. I was like, here's my opportunity to help somebody else. And, and I got hooked right then and there on coaching, mentorship, teaching, supporting. And uh, that's what set me in, in motion for the rest of my adult life. But here's the thing. I went from food being the way I'd manage my stress. I would eat my stress quite literally and anxiety. Yeah. I learned how to deal with that to get healthy, but I still had a lot of those anxious feelings and, and I still had some negative mental health challenges I was working through. And, and so that was all still there. And I had to figure out another way of dealing with it. And I was introduced to alcohol. Mm. And I was the weirdest thing. Give me a couple of drinks. And I'd be the guy in the back corner, in the dark corner, not wanting to talk to anybody. You give me a couple of drinks. I'll talk to anybody here now. Yeah. And, you know, my friends used to call me fun guy, die, give him a couple of drinks. You become the fun guy of the party, you know? And, but yeah. it was so frustrating. Okay. Because I believe that was the only way I could interact with others was I needed a few drinks in me eventually that that it, it takes hold in a big way because it was more than just a habit it became a, very much a ritual for me in my life yeah at the end of the day if i was dealing with a lot of business and talk and stress i'm gonna have a few drinks because i deserve it i earned it you know mm-hmm. but this is a slippery slope it just started to become more frequent and more frequent what was one drink now became three bottle you know whatever and and uh the rest of my life started to unfold you know and and 
it really got uncontrollable for a little bit there. And, and that's actually where my TEDx talk picks up is it, it talks a bit about this story and, and what I went through. And, but it was me asking for help. That was the starting point of me really making the changes. Cause I realized I couldn't do it on my own as much as I believed I could. I, I didn't have strong association in my life and I didn't have the understanding of myself to make the changes. Cause I wasn't even sure what the changes were, you know? And, and, and I think, uh, you know, in your life, have you ever been in a place where it's like, gosh, I know the decisions I'm making are taking me further away from the person I want to be? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Just what I was talking about earlier, like in college, you know, and going yeah. down that rabbit hole of ah. parties and drinks and just, yeah. you know, you knew it's just like, you know, you're going to wake up with a terrible hangover. You knew, yes. but you're, I was just living in that moment, just like, you know, getting not really peer pushed, but it's like every, all my friends are around. We're all doing it. We're all having a great time. You know, everyone's talking and laughing and stuff, you know, and it's like, Oh, this is how you have a good time. This is, this yes. is, it. yeah. And, but yeah, there's a, there's the other side of the thing in the back of your head. It's like, Chris, what the hell are you doing, dude? Probably shouldn't be doing this. You know, what do you got? What do you got going on tomorrow? Don't you have class at eight? You know, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's just, I love it because that internal dialogue, right? It's always there, exactly. and it's and I'm always just fascinated by this. Just in, it, you know, when you think about human needs, human motivation, why we do the things that we do, and I'm always amazed at the things that we often don't do, even though we know that by doing it, it's going to make life better. Mm-hmm. You know, like we we have the awareness that this is the case. It's like, we don't have to fight about smoking anymore. It's like, there's enough scientific data out there that, you know, smoking is not a healthy habit. <laughs> you know, it, you do it long-term, it might create some real challenging health complications, maybe even cancer, Yeah. right? And, and yet there's a lot of people out there that know this, they know it. And yet they still decide to continue to smoke, yeah. you know? And, and, but this happens in all our areas, you know, all areas in our lives. And like, that's what I was with drinking, right? There's even been periods in my life where I became obsessive about working out. Really? You know, to the point that it became unhealthy, right? Because it was a bit of dysmorphia, this idea of wanting to get my body in a certain place where I believed it was perfect. Sure. Yet perfection, anybody that's looking to get to a place that they believe to be perfect, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry to tell you, they probably never make it there, okay? Because you just own. So it's a, it's a it's an uphill battle, but you never make it to the top. And uh, it can be really debilitating over time and make you feel really bad about yourself because you're like, gosh, I, I'm never getting there. I'm never getting closer. And it got it became, again, obsessive. And, and as you can tell, I probably realized I have these tendencies, you know, whether it was with food when I was a teenager and alcohol as I got older and even working out when I got really into fitness, you know, to the point of being fanatical where it created an imbalance in my life. Yeah. Do you have an addictive personality? Do you think? Well, see, this is interesting because what's usually say that then, then we have to open up the conversation around addiction and, and there are different schools of thought on addiction. Okay. You know, and, and when, when I first came to, to terms that, I didn't have a healthy relationship with alcohol. I, I went to the first place that I was aware of, you know, because I also had friends that recommended the step program, right? The 12 step programs. And, and so I went to AA. Yeah. I went to two meetings. And I was like, this, this just doesn't feel right for me. Because I never felt like I was actually addicted to anything. Okay. But it became this thing where I would choose to do it and compromise my myself in doing the action like uh, let me make this even s- simpler and, and those people were thinking okay where, where's he going with this well let me go here i 
it became really challenging for me to just be okay with being myself. Like I was always seeking something else to, to change my mood. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Like, cause, cause that kind of happens when we take certain substances, it definitely changes who we are for sure. And so I became really obsessive about this change, right. And wanting to be fun guy die where it became sort of my dominant. And the only way I could get there was through drinking. And so it was really just this relationship with alcohol and, and more importantly, myself, I never believed I was addicted. The, the beer never held a gun at my head and said, Hey, drink me. Yeah. <laughs> or I'm going to shoot you. That was never the case. Like I was fully aware of my choices at all times. And, uh, and I chose to prioritize that over everything else in my life. I chose to say that this is more important to me right now than my family. Yeah. This is more important to me than my business. This is more important to me than myself. And when you come to that grips, like really get to that place where you, we say, no, I'm prioritizing this over me, mm-hmm. over everything else in my life. We have to start questioning how we value things, especially how do we value ourselves? That is what I had to learn. I had to learn to just be okay with me and be okay with just being me as I am, Yeah, you know, but without any extra substances. And that's not easy, man. And I'm, I'm still on that path 12 years later, I'm still trying to figure it out, but I've learned how to do it in a much healthier way. And I haven't had a drink since then, you know, and it's, it started as a one-year commitment to not drink, but then so many changes in a positive way started to happen. Mm-hmm. But after the year was done, I remember my wife saying, well, should we celebrate with a glass of wine? You did a whole year without drinking. I was like, you know what? I feel great. Yeah. Why don't I just keep this going right now and see where see where I take it? And and it's you know almost 13 years now. Like it's just, but it was just a commitment for one year. That's how it started. And uh, because a lot of people just automatically think, oh, he just doesn't drink. He's not a drinker. And and they, they it's funny when I tell people I don't drink, they automatically go to, oh, he must have had a problem. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like yeah. it's not like no, I'm choosing to be healthy. No, 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 you must have had a problem. Like that's it's weird, but that's, that's usually what I get. You know, uh, people automatically think I must have had a drinking problem. And it's like, well, no, I, and I did, I guess, in a way I had a bad relationship with alcohol. Like it became a crutch, but, uh, anyways, I, I talked a little faster. I just jammed down a coffee, about half an hour before talking and I'm peaking Good. right now. Like, Oh man, I hope I calm down a little bit, but, uh, yeah. I mean, do you think that's just, you know, again, a social narrative that society yeah. teaches just because, you know, Hey, get some liquid courage up, go have a couple of drinks, go talk to the girl, you know, and just, uh, you know, guy, you know, like I had, a, I was talking to a guy tonight about, he had some roofers come over and fix his roof or whatever, but so they smell just like alcohol, you know, it's just like, really? Oh. so they work all day. They, they get into the shadow of the chimney when it's hot, just, you know, they sit up there like gargoyles, you know, yeah. they're just waiting until whenever they're done, they get off, they, I guess, go straight to the bar. That's how they deal with their, I guess their life, you know, and then just like, yeah. whatever, I'll party tonight, wake up again, do it all over again. But he said this next morning, they come in and he said, they work hard. I mean, they get yeah. it done, but you can just smell the alcohol from the night before. So I mean, but is that, I guess my point is, is this that what mm-hmm. just what we teach, you know, like after hard day's work, you know, just go home and have your drink, sit down and relax with yourself or, you know, like, um, there's even comedians who they mm-hmm. take shots of whiskey, but before they go do yeah. the sets or whatever, you know, it's just, yeah. but I mean, I'm not that they're getting drunk or anything, but it's just almost like, yeah, do it to, you know, release attention, I guess, you know? And and you're right, though, it does. It, it does lessen our inhibitions, right? It, it does give us this sense uh, of, you know, a, a, albeit maybe not real, but it makes us feel more confident. 
Sure. And and if you feel more confident, you, you tend to take more action, <laughs> you know, and, and do things. And whether they're things that you normally would do or not, that's besides the point. It, regardless, that alcohol has lowered some inhibitions or some fear or concerns about doing the thing that you want to do. And I'm not here to vilify it, to say it's a bad thing. It's an evil thing. I don't want to bring morality into this. You know, it's, it's really, it's a personal choice. And I, I think the, the real issue at hand is that we have to take a take stock of who our closest people are in our lives. You know, who did we hang around with the most? Uh, there, there's a, a quite a well-known, uh, I would say he's a sort of a self-help guru uh, or personal development, professional development, but his name is Jim Rohn. He passed away a, a number of years ago, but he had a quote where he used to talk about individuals. As individuals, we are the net sum of the five closest relationships in our lives. I've heard that before. Yeah, and it was, it's really interesting, but if you actually take note, now, not including family, so take family out of it and spouses out of it, but you look at outside of that, your five closest relationships, and more often than not, it tends to be more work relationships than outside of work relationships, just because of the way that we live our lives. Yeah. We spend so much time at work, those tend to be right. the people we hang out with a lot. But if you look at those five, and you look at yourself in the mix, you're going to find that everyone's right about the same level most of the time. Mm-hmm. And we, we have this natural ability to attract others like ourselves. And we get very comfortable with that because we all probably like similar things or interested in similar things or and are just as motivated about certain things. Sure. So, um, and this is not to knock anybody, but I, I look at who my association was, especially when I was at my peak with, with my, uh, you know, alcohol consumption. Uh, that was just what we did. You, you said, is it a narrative? Is this like a social narrative? Is this, is this just the way it is because we're all taught that way? Well, it depends what pockets you're hanging out in. Yeah. I, I think there's more that do deal with the things that we're talking about right now. Maybe not in a positive way because they, they're not aware that there's other ways of doing it. Yeah. And my friends at that time, that's just what we did. You know, we'd go play around a golf ball. We're definitely playing the 19th green a lot. <laughs> you know, we're, we're, we're also going to a hockey game, you know, and we're going to drink a lot and yeah. we're going to go out after work. We're going to drink a lot. Oh, we got a noon meeting. Okay. Let's have a couple of drinks. Like it was just so easy and it was regular and no one ever said or did anything different. So why make a change if you don't even think change is even a choice, you yeah. know, like everyone does it this way. So let's just keep doing it, you know, like, and, and it's, it's weird, right? Like it, it really is weird. Like when I start to reflect on it, I'm like, holy, that's uh, when was I actually making my own decisions about doing my own stuff? Mm-hmm. And why was I always so influenced by what the group was doing, you yeah. know? And, uh, but again, it's, it's, it's a learning. And yeah. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. What are your thoughts on that? No, I, I love that quote because it's, I don't, I didn't hear it from who you said, Jim Rome. I don't think I've heard it from that, but I, I always had it stuck in my head that you're the average of the five people you hang out with the most. And I don't, I don't know if I picked that up in college, somewhere along the way, where at, but it's always stuck in my, in my head just because I'm always, whenever I did pick it up, I'm always looking around just like, who am I hanging out with, you know, and just, yeah. just this is where I want my life to be leading and stuff. And yeah, I've not reached some of my, I guess my goal is yet in life or whatever, but I know I'm going down a great path right now. Yeah. It's huge. But yeah. And some people just, like you were saying that they're, you know, they don't want it to change. You know, they get stuck in a, 
a comfort zone and that they're hanging out with the right, you know, they have bigger goals or bigger aspirations in their life, but like, ah, I'm going to stay with my little social clan here and never going to try to get out of it, you know, either because they're scared of change or they're scared of success, you know, I've, which I'm surprised. I've heard that somewhere too, that people are actually scared of being successful in life. That's right. What the hell? What? Uh, yeah. It's crazy. When you look at fears, it's fear of success, fear of failure, right? Fear right. of change. Like there's so many different fears and, the crazy thing is, is a lot of it can be rationalized, right? Like I, I, I love, there's actually a great Ted talk by Tim Ferriss and he shares this exercise in this Ted talk called fear setting. And the, the whole idea is just, you know, whatever that thing is, that's really intimidating you. It's like, go through the, what if game? Well, what if I did that? What's the worst that could happen? Yeah. Like you brought up the stand-up comedy uh, um, reference before about com- comedians maybe taking a shot before they take yeah. the stage. Well, I, last fall, I did a stand-up comedy course. And at the end of the course, there's a showcase where you have to do a five-minute set with the other comics that were in the course. So right. you know, we have an audience of 160 people that we don't know. You know, there were some friends there, of course, but the majority of people are people you don't know. And you're doing this for the first time. I'll tell you. It was probably one of the most scary and, and no, it was the scariest and most intimidating thing I've done. I don't doubt it. Uh, it was challenging, right? But here's the thing, like, we all have the ability to do hard stuff. Mm-hmm. We all do. You I know. Agree. And, and I agree. this idea of, of limiting beliefs, uh, it, it's wild how it sits there. And, and so when I think back to Tim Ferriss's exercise, I found myself doing this is like, okay, well, I'm going to get up there. What is the worst that can happen to me up, up there on stage? What's the worst? Well, could I die? No, very unlikely. I'm not going to die, you know? And, and I'm like, well, that's the worst that could really happen. I mean, yeah, I could bomb. No one laughs, like whatever. It is what it is. But really at the end of the day, that was like the worst I could imagine happening. And I was okay with that. I released it. I was like, oh yeah, I can do this. You know, like, and, and it's just a neat exercise. When you actually rationalize your fear, you realize a lot of the fears that we have are very irrational. Yeah. You know, they make no sense. Like yeah, the I statistics agree. show that our fears are, I mean, they're unwarranted and unvalidated, you yeah. know? Like, so why we make, are we so afraid of it? We make up a lot of those fears. Just yeah. Like, we can't get, our, most people can't get out of our own way, you know, and I've been yeah. there, done that, you know, but yeah. I wanted to ask though, just cause I try to keep up with comedy and I went to a comedy show mm-hmm. eh, probably last month, but just cool. five minutes. Like, I feel like that would be so it's intense. Like just to do, but yeah. Somebody yeah. go up there and say, Hey, be funny for five minutes. You know, I just couldn't imagine just the stress and stuff like, you know, even if you've been practicing, just like you oh. said that, yeah. But you go up, even, you know, the big dogs over heard on the scene right now, they talk about bombing as they're working out their materials and stuff. Yes. I couldn't imagine, man. It just takes a lot of cojones, you know? Yeah. Well, thank you. And uh, it, it, it was either that or just a whole bunch of lack of them. But uh, <laughs> it was, and what I mean by that is like I, I had to literally just take it all out of it. Right. And just be OK with whatever came. And, uh, you know, it, it's um, it was hard but it was very rewarding at the same time because I I had asked myself, you know, like I was ready to do something that would challenge me. And I, and I racked my brain trying to figure out what was the most intimidating and scary thing I could possibly do right now. Yeah. And as I started to go through the options, I was like, well, stand up comedy. I've always thought like, wow, that's amazing as an art form, as a performance art. Like it's just amazing to have the ability to make people laugh, to, to, to also make people think at the same time. It's, it's awesome. But man, it scared the crap out of me. Right. And I was like, okay, well, I got to do it. 
you know, like I got to do it because I would find myself saying to myself, I can't do that. I'll never be able to do that. And I used to say that about comedy. That was the way I would say, I would speak to myself. Like, I can't do that. That would be impossible. No way. And, and I've become much more aware of these thought patterns and habits of talking to myself and saying no, before I've even asked myself, well, why not? Mm-hmm. And, you know, this isn't something that's just unique to me. We all go through this. We all have these little voices in our heads. That says, There's no way you can do that. Sure. Don't say yes to that. That's impossible. You can't do that. And, and I'm like, you know what? You just got to turn that, that, that script around and just say, well, why not? Why can't I do that? Yeah. What is actually holding me back from doing that? You know, rather than trying to justify why we can't do something, why don't we justify why we can? You know? Yeah. But yeah, I agree 100%. it's a shift of perspective, right? I agree 100%. You know, I'm yeah. borrowing this from Jordan Peterson, and he talks about that nobody wants to you know, take that first step because they're going to look like a fool and nobody wants to look like a fool at at anything, at anything, they're trying something new, you know? I mean, you know, unless you have the outliers out there, like LeBron James, who just goes up with talent or whatever, but yeah, I mean, it's scary and it's, yeah, you can always make a thousand reasons why to say no to something just because of exactly what you're saying that, Hey, I don't want to look like a fool. I don't want to bomb. I don't want to, you know, be set back and be made fun of, you know, but that's part of the, uh, I guess the, road to success, I guess you could call it. I mean, and that's how I've learned is like learn from my mistakes, you know, look like an idiot, you know, I mean, you can't be afraid. And I like doing challenges and stuff, you know, I think they're fun. You find out a lot about yourself, you know, you learn something new and it's something you can take with you on. Like, and it's like, Hey, you know, what, how did my body change? How did my mind change at this time? You know, like last October, I cut out caffeine and alcohol, no month. So yeah. And it was one of the hardest things I did. Like not so much the alcohol, but just the caffeine was like, that was really intense just because yeah yeah i can was, only imagine man i've, yeah, I've done just, that a couple times and it's yeah. hard but i felt great you know after you know a week or so i felt like i don't even need it you know now i'm glad i did it because i would drink coffee constantly like i would drink it all day if you'd let me and it was just one of those things that i just i don't i was sitting at work just might as well pour another cup why not <laughs> <laughs> but, you know i mean then on weekends you meet up with your friends until you get a cup of coffee and it's like well, i've already had four today what's one more you? so uh but now I just, I, I just see one small one and i'm cool and that's what yeah I, I guess my point was that you learn a lot about yourself just trying new things in life and yes. don't worry about being like looking like a fool even though most times you will i love i love how you said that because it is it's the simplest way to to really present this idea this concept and and again you know we're just talking about ideas and concepts and things that have worked for us or things that we've observed and the thing is is as much as we hear all these things which is awesome you know for those that listen and watch this like this is great this is good good information but you know what makes the information even better (laughs) when you actually try some of these things and you apply it to your own life and and you monitor how does it work because some of the things that you and i've talked about today chris it's probably not going to work for everybody i mean i didn't work for anybody Chances are one of the things we've shared today will make a difference for someone though. But you got to do it. You got to trust enough in yourself that if I try this, good things might happen. Yeah. No, you I know? agree. And, yeah. And, it's just, and, and you know what? Actually, you, you, you made me think about something here because uh, I know you just came back from a workout. So I think you'll appreciate this. But, you know, the idea of regret is a really powerful concept, right? Like just the, just the whole idea of regret. Like regrets are usually a negative, right? Like we see it as a negative. It's something that we wish that we might've done or experienced and, but we didn't. And, right. and so we regret missing out on that opportunity, whatever it may be. Now, because we're, we're focused on having no regrets, 
you know, or trying to live a life with as little regret as possible, uh, both the good and the bad, right? Because, uh, I mean, there's lots of things I've done that I regret, but there ain't no change in it. But that, brother. I won't do it again, you know, or at least I keep telling myself that. And But here's the thing. What are things in our lives we never regret doing, especially when we do them? Well, you just came back from a workout. Have yeah. you ever regretted doing a workout? No, well, at the time, I probably did when I was like huffing, huffing and dying. <laughs> yeah, right. yeah, but after, after it was over, I was like, yeah, I'm glad I did it, you know? That's right. You feel accomplished. Yeah. You feel like you've done something for yourself. And this is the neat thing about self-care. It, it's like it still is, falls on us to do the action, to, to do the thing that's going to improve our health, our well-being, our mental state, you know, our emotional state. It's still up to us to do whatever that thing is. But if we do it repetitively and we we... We rarely ever regret doing those actions because it makes us feel good as soon as we've done them. Mm -hmm. and, and I often equate, like I'll have, you know, some of my clients, I'm like, well, today, you know, I just, this week, every lunch, I want you to have a big bowl of greens and veggies. And you're going to put some lean protein on there with some avocado oil or coconut oil or whatever dressing you want, you know, as long as it falls within our, our parameters. But I want you to eat that for lunch. And, yeah. you know, I've never had a client ever message me back and say, Di, this salad you've been making me eat all week? I really regret it. Like, I've never heard it. I've never, ever heard that. Right. Like, yeah. and I think we have to understand that there's certain things that we do that is very good for us and we'll never have the feeling of regret. In fact, we have the opposite feeling. Mm -hmm. We have a feeling of accomplishment, fulfillment, and the fact that, you know what, I did something good for myself today. Yeah. That is where I want people to lean into. Because that's a proactive approach to living our life rather than being on the reactionary side where we're regretting the things and we make a promise never to do that thing again, or we have fear or concern around some of the choices that we make. And it's like, no, I'll never do that again. And yikes, it's a, uh, it can become a really ugly mess, right? No, I don't and, doubt it. And, yeah. you know, I'm currently reading uh, Atomic Habits. I don't know if you oh, read James that. Clear. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, it was kind of one of what you were talking about was I'm early into it, but just that you know, you do one thing at a time that was good and do it yes. the next day again and do it the next day. And over time, even though it's like a small little thing, just having, like you just said, a salad for lunch, you know, over time, that's eventually going to build up into something where you want it to. And I, I guess my point is that I think too many people don't realize that, that if you keep doing, making good decisions, you know, respecting your goals, respecting yourself and getting to where you want to be, that they want the shortcut now that, you know, they're not willing to wait and work for it. That no, if I don't see it, you know, I've, I've had a client, I, I coach CrossFit too on the side. Yeah. And so, if, you know, somebody's just like, Hey, I got to pull up. I've been here two weeks, you know, just, what, <laughs> you know, I mean, I mean, I'm just, I, it's great. I'm glad you've been here for two weeks, but you, yeah. I, it's, I think a lot of people just don't understand that. Hey, it takes a lot of hard work and effort and grind and a lot of things you do outside of the gym in order to get that pull up. It's just not going to happen. You know, I would love to take the red pill or the blue pill or whatever and get, the, <laughs> and get a pull up and be able to join the Olympics or whatever. Yeah. Do, but it's just not that easy as much as we want it to be, you know? That's a great point. It does. It takes work, right? It takes consistent effort. And, uh, but the cool thing is, is, you know, on that note about the pull up, I always laugh at that because I'll often tell my clients, you know, I know you can't do any pull ups now. And to get your first is going to be the most work you ever put in. Mm hmm. Because that's the only time in your life you'll have 100% improvement. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Like, really? Like, that makes sense. Yeah. As you do, your second, like you do a second pull-up, it's diminishing returns, right? <laughs> like, you will never be as good as going from zero to one. Sure. I've never looked at it like that, but you're right. But that's the coolest part, though, right? And that's why I like to let them know when I frame it up. It's like, listen, we can work towards a pull-up. It might take a while. 
Yeah. But we're going to get you there. And it's 100% improvement once you hit that milestone. And then after that, it's like, well, it just gets diminishing returns after the fact, right? Like it's, and, uh, but, but that's just tongue in cheek. Of course, you still see progress, but that, that it's never as challenging as it was doing the first one. Yeah. You know, zero to one is, is a massive change. And I think that's what people have to take account. It's like the very first time you do a new habit, that's a big deal. It's a huge deal. But to really see this and, and, and experience the benefit, you, you got to recommit every day. I commit again to doing this. I commit again. And then eventually one day you wake up and you just do it. You're not even thinking about it. Mm-hmm. And that's the idea of going from hab- habitual to ritual, you know, and, and, and that's where it becomes a lifestyle, you know, it becomes automatic. Yeah. Like, do you really think about working out? No, it's just I mean, the routine for me. You just I do, it. To do it. Yeah. Every yeah. day after work. And I love that because it's become a ritual. It's part of your life. It's just, it's just what you do. It's like brushing your teeth, drinking water. It's just something that I do every day because it makes me feel good and it keeps me optimal, yeah. you know? And, uh, and also you and I both know <laughs> a workout. We're only ever one workout away from feeling better. Yeah. Like it's wild. You know, people talk about all these pills and listen, I've dealt with depression all my life and anxiety and all the other stuff. Like I get it. I totally get it. But if you're relying just on, you know, pharmaceuticals to, to, to manage that, you're missing out on so much, so much, you know, because there's, yeah. there are healthier ways of tapping into the feel good hormones mm-hmm. without needing to manipulate them. But you do both together and it's even better. The science has proven it. It's like, I'm not saying pharmaceuticals aren't good. They are. They serve a point. There's a chemical mismatch in some of our brains, you know, mm-hmm. and that can balance things out. It can even things out. But if that's the only thing that you're doing and you're not doing all the other stuff, you're missing out on the even greater benefit, right? Like, and they've shown that, you know, with, with medical intervention, you know, or certain pharmaceuticals along with a healthy lifestyle, that's the best way to get your mental health into a really thriving state. If you're dealing with, with medications, et cetera, but, uh, and I'm not here to talk about that, but uh, I just wanted to drop that hint because I know it can feel very isolating and a lot of us feel alone with our mental health challenges. But the cool thing is, is, is most people have one. Most people are challenged mentally and emotionally at, at various points in their day or week. Like we can all relate to this. Yeah. However, how often do we open up about it? Not very, not very much. Not very much, very. which leaves us feeling like no one understands this. <laughs> you know, I'm alone in my suffering. No one will understand me. No one else is dealing with this problem. So I can't talk about it. And, and this again is a part of that narrative, right? There's this yeah. way that maybe it's been rolling. Like I grew up, my, my, I watched the men in my life and my, like my dad included, my dad's a great guy. He was amazing, you know, and uh, very caring, very thoughtful, very kind, but also very stoic, you know, he didn't convey a lot of emotions. Uh, and as such, I watched this, I learned this, you know, I, I never saw my dad cry. Yeah. You know, and like, so I also grew up with the belief that, you know, you don't cry. You're, my, you're my, I'm a boy, I'm a man now. I, I don't cry, you know, like, and so some of these things have been role modeled. And, and if you've never showed anything different, you know, and, and yet I would beat myself up about it. It wasn't my fault. Yeah. You know, it's just what I learned. I didn't have enough information or knowledge or understanding, you know, to even create new wisdom. And, and so, you know, for those that are listening to this, like the cool thing is, is you're part of this conversation right now. Hopefully there's some things starting to, to, to light bulbs going off and like, oh, okay, well, maybe, gosh, there's other people that deal with this stuff too. Holy smokes. Like maybe I can go find some of those people, those communities and belong to one of those, you know, and yeah. 
that is the part that actually helped me the most in the last 12 years with the different communities that I belong to. Because yeah. it, it, wanting to make a change is, is one thing when you do it by yourself, but when you have other people that are there rallying you, supporting you, but also you can support in return, it creates this camaraderie, you know, that's so powerful. And I, I have to give my hats off to CrossFit, you know, I, me being a CrossFitter as well. Like, oh. I, dude, it, the community is remarkable. It is. Yeah. You find yourself a good community, man. You'll, yeah. you'll go far. It's awesome. It's awesome. But this applies not just to fitness. It applies to everything, you know? And, and, and I think, you know, these last two years have been really challenging for many of us because a lot of the communities that we were used to plugging into, especially in real life, some of those didn't pivot, right? They didn't go to online. So they just went away. I agree. And now we're left like, what do I do now? <laughs> like, yeah. And it's, it's been a challenging couple of years for a lot of people. A lot of people, you know, and uh, I'm just, you know, knocking on wood and, and hoping that everything continues on the path that we're on now and the world opens up and we all get back to normal. Like, yeah, it would be great. Up. You know, you know, as you were talking to, I was thinking that I had a couple of different thoughts, but, you know, I saw uh, a bar, or I guess it was a line graph today that I listened to this podcast called Breaking Points. I don't know if you've ever heard of it, but it's basically like a news podcast. And they, oh, cool. yeah, they touch on like, that's how I get my news for the day. They touch on like some hot topics or whatever. But one of the yeah. things was that I was talking about mental health. And since I think it was 2004, just how in high school students, like mental health issues have gone up. And I, I forgot like exactly how they uh, researched it or got the study or whatever. But I guess my question for you is, I mean, do you think we're just going to keep seeing this increase with mental health issues with just because of social media and, and life just people thinking like what we kind of touched on earlier like this is what my life should be like and if it's not people get stuck in their own way and then don't talk to anybody and just like hey if, if i if i don't get this then my life's over so screw it you know i think well chris you know to be fair i i think you know it, it, it's interesting when you see data and reports like that i'm always curious i'm like well how many people were open to sharing yeah. Back then, you know, about this, because I mean, it's not like now we're mental health. I mean, a lot of the, the big telecom country uh, uh, companies like up here in Canada, we have um, Bell Mobility and Bell is a massive company. Canada. It's one of our largest telecom companies. So it's like, it's like a virgin, right? Or uh, AT&T, oh, okay. I should say. I'm with, I'm with you. more like an AT&T. And, and uh, they run a mental health uh, initiative. You know, it's a nonprofit, and, but they really blasted out there. They, and they call it, it's the Bell Mobility Let's Talk Day. And it's this whole idea about let's talk about mental health. And yeah. they've been running this for years, but now it's become very much mainstream. You know, it is mainstream. You can't help but see people talking about mental health all over the place now, almost to the point where it's almost becoming a cliche, right? Like we, we hear the term all the time. And so I think, you know, if we're going to interview youth today versus youth of you know, 10, 15 years ago, I'm just wondering how many of them were even aware of the conversation back then. Um, because I think as we're becoming more and more aware, and as we normalize the conversation, it allows us to do something about it. Yeah. You know, and I think we're sort of in that, that critical point right now where, yes, a lot of media is talking about it. Individuals are talking about it. There's lots of, of organizations and support networks popping up to support people with this. So, do I think it's going to continue to trend in the upward trajectory that it's been on, especially the last five years? Probably for a little bit, you know, uh, I, I really, I'm going to be optimistic and I hope that we get to a place where we recognize that, okay, maybe the way we're consuming media and the way we're, we're connecting online all the time, maybe there's a healthier way of managing that. 
that does keep our mental health in a good place. Uh, I, I don't necessarily believe that we're there yet. <laughs> you know, yeah, no, I agree. I mean, we're and, still figuring uh, it out. I mean, you yeah. know, we're still coming up with new ideas and new apps keep coming out just to make things easier or whatever. But yeah, I agree that it's the wild, wild west, you know, and I feel like the internet's still kind of the wild west, wild, wild west too. And obviously it's one of those things that if you give somebody a hammer, they can either build a house with it or they're going to go smack themselves, <laughs> That's right. yeah, smack themselves in the knee with it, you know? <laughs> I guess right. it applies to almost anything, but it's how you use, it's a tool. It's how you use the tool. And That's exactly right. You need to make it, you know, in a positive note, or you can, you know, become addicted to porn or whatever. And it's just by, that's kind of what you were saying. If that's, you know, you found alcohol as kind of your thing to relieve stress or whatever, and people find that or whatever, whatever they're looking at Correct. on the internet. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. It's hard. I mean, if we're now, I think the conversation, it is being normalized, right? It's getting to a place where we're more comfortable talking about it. Um, I still don't think it's to the point that it needs to be, but I think it's going there. It's trending that way. And and that's a good thing. But, you know, I, I think it's actually just having, like, I, I look at my own daughters, right? They're now 17 and 19, uh, but they've grown up with devices, you know, pretty much most of their life. You know, they've always had computers around and, sure. And, uh, you know, they've always seen mom and dad with cell phones and they both got their own phones when they were like 10 and 12. Right. And uh, so they've grown up with these devices. And we used to have conversations with them, not only about mental health, but also about the pressures and social pressures, but also how to have a healthy relationship with electronics, specifically social media and internet usage. And but, you know, as parents, it is our responsibility to have that conversation with our kids and and. At the beginning, we did. Did we police it? Yeah. And what I mean by policing, well, we had access. Any platform that they wanted to be on, we had to have full access to it. We had to have all the passwords, all that, you know, until they were 16. When they were 16, yes, you can be private and all that stuff. No problem. We don't need to have access to your accounts, but you got to use it respectively, you know, and, and in a healthy way that doesn't affect you in a negative. And that was something that we stressed as parents. You know, and I, I like to say that our, our kids are in a really good place now at the age that they are, but they have a very different perspective on social media and how to use it. And uh, so, you know, for any parents out there or, or people that are mentoring or coaching younger people, this is a very, very important conversation to have. Yeah. You know, it's, it's really setting the boundaries around Internet use, but also being comfortable enough to, to open up a conversation on mental health, you know. Was that something you and your wife talked about? You know, I don't have any kids, but, you know, I've read some stuff and articles about how do you govern Mm -hmm. children's screen time? And you're either the bad guy or most of the time you're the bad guy or you get the, you know, you run to mom and say, oh, you know, I can't get on whatever. Dad won't let me. And then mom's like, oh, here, I'll just wait and let you. Then, you know, you're even more the bad guy. I mean, (laughs) I mean, is that just a conversation you and your wife had just to say, like, all right, this is what I think it should be? It, we would obviously we would talk about it first and then we talked about it with the girls you know with our kids so we, we would uh usually always you know you have to have a as they say a united front and uh, uh reason being is like we, we didn't want the good cop bad cop situation and we didn't want to undermine one another because that also can create challenges and and to be fair you know the kids they would play that card if they could even if they didn't want to they you know it, when opportunity presents itself and they can go to mom or go to dad and they already know dad was probably going to say yes i don't think mom will say yes so i won't even ask mom i'll just ask dad like yeah you know and a lot of times we're going to have what did your dad say or i'll say you know what what did mom say was she cool with this if she's cool with it i'm cool with it you know like and and so there's just those little things but you know i i just want those that are listening or watching this to, to realize i do recognize the last two years have been anything but normal 
Yeah. And, and the amount of electronic or screen time, especially online time that kids have been enduring is, you know, higher than at any other period in their lives, especially in the last 30 years because of the pandemic, you know, like, let's be fair, like, you know, would it be realistic to tell our kids not to be on screens as much during the pandemic? Not really. I mean, it's super hard, you know, especially when you're isolated, you're stuck in a house, can't leave, you can't even go to school, like they got to do school from a computer at home. Like it's, it's been a weird couple of years. For sure. You know, but not to say the conversation shouldn't happen, but I do recognize and, and I, I, I don't want anybody to beat themselves up because of the last two years or maybe the amount of screen time the kids have had in the last two years. Cause let's be honest. I, I know that I, my kids screen time went up huge. They did you now yeah. between school and their social connections. And that was how they stayed connected with friends during lockdowns, you know, and just is what it is. It's uh, but now that we're coming out of it. Yeah. We're, we're getting right back to setting those healthy boundaries again. <laughs> Do you find that people like coming out of it now are don't really know how to act uh... I guess in a certain way, people, they've been cooped up yeah. Yeah, so long. Like I've been yeah. here, like, you know, talking about comedy at comedy shows, like people heckling the co comedians and stuff. It's just because they haven't been out in so long. They get out and they're getting wild and crazy. And, <laughs> and it's like even at sporting events, you know, when they're uh, attacking the players on there, just because I guess they're out and about. I'm like, yeah, they want to release, I guess. Yes. I think you're right. Make it, there is a lot of, um, Let's just say we got pent up energy and we're trying to release some of it. You exactly. know? Like I, I have noticed that I've noticed it in myself, you know, and uh, like, where, where did we go the other day? We finally went out to an event for the first time. Oh, it was the, the Vancouver wellness show. It was a couple weekends ago and uh, it's a really large, it's Vancouver's largest wellness show. And, and, but it hadn't happened for two years because the pandemic finally happened again. And it was just so interesting seeing, you know, a trade show along with the talks and the networking and just all these people no social distancing, no masks. And yeah. I was just like, Whoa, this is like COVID what, you know, like yeah. it was just, it was really weird. Right. Cause I found myself being like, I like this, but I'm also, there was still that part of me that was ingrained with, you know, should I be a bit concerned? Should I be a little worried here? It's like, it's just wild. Right. Like just, uh, we've got some pretty deep rooted conditioning that we've all endured these last two years, <laughs> like masking up, washing our hands, you know, social distancing, yada, yada, yada. So I, uh, it's going to take us a little bit to unlearn that. I think. Yeah, no, I agree hundred percent just because, you know, I work in higher education and they finally released, uh, where I'm at the, you know, the, indoor mandate or mask mandate and yes. it was just kind of like finally you know it's like a whole new world you know you're walking around you got <laughs> people's faces again and you know not people were just like moving them while they're talking and it's just yeah, yeah man it just finally became like okay we can relax now we're it's some sense of normalcy you know that's right uh, and i think a lot of people they like normal you know kind of what we said either they don't they don't like change they don't like you know things going out of their little routine and i get it you know i mean i have a good routine that but if things yeah. get kind of wacky i'm kind of like oh wait you know it's, it's not the way it's supposed to be yeah but no i'm um yeah i'm slowly like the pandemic wasn't that bad on me you know i was still able to go to the gym and we yeah. uh, in my position i was still working so um i yeah i wouldn't i didn't have full quarantine i guess so i didn't feel nice. a lot of the effects so yeah i didn't feel a lot of effects that other people were that i was reading about and seeing that i was still able yeah. You know, if I wanted food, I just went and got takeout and came home. So, yeah, <laughs> yeah, it was. So I was, I yeah. felt like I was pretty lucky during these past two years. I guess is my point. So that is, that's pretty fortunate. And uh, uh, but also, I mean, the fact that you've been able to observe it, right? And then being someone that's uh, so connected to your own fitness and health and, mm -hmm. and just well-being, it's 
it's great because you can also speak to this really well and and but also just be there to support others right like i found that's what i ended up doing a lot because if i couldn't support myself i could at least support others do, do you know what i mean by that like it's that that idea of contribution and helping others is not only cathartic but it's also very fulfilling for most of us most of us like helping other people feel better feel good you know like we there's some enjoyment in that there's satisfaction in that you know and uh so I found myself doing a lot of that during the pandemic, you know, like even my men's groups, uh, making a point of really prioritizing time around that and, and also connecting with certain people that I know were feeling challenged, you know, like especially in, in any ways, but especially professionally, you know, a lot of people initially early on in pandemic, you know, were losing their jobs or being laid off or, yeah. geez, like the, 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 the mental challenges that come with that like it's it's hard you know so i found myself that was my way of dealing with it at times was i'll just not focus on me i'll just focus on other people and help them <laughs> that we don't have to focus on my own stuff <laughs> you know like and probably not the healthiest things to do, to do but uh it, it really helped me at least through the first six months you know this is kind of echoing what you just said you know about uh success and stuff but just that i remember my one of my first jobs like my you know big full-time Big yeah. jobs, I guess if you want to call it that. <laughs> like one of my in one of the interview questions, you know, I was asked, you know, what does success mean to you? Oof. And I had no clue what to say. You know, uh, I mean, like I was probably, you know, just a little bit out of college. I, I was finished yeah. my internship and stuff. And I was like, you know, I don't know. You know, and so I, I gave some vague definition, like, oh, you know, because if you completed a task and it was done right and stuff, you know, you and it was 100 percent correct, then you're good. If you completed a job, that means you're successful. And so it wasn't until then, though, that was, you know, I left that interview like, gosh, you know, idiot. You know, why'd you say that? <laughs> it's one of those things that you like bomb that one. I'm there's no way I'm getting that job. But I went and thought about it and started looking up stuff. It's like, you know, so I was like, next time, if I could ask that again, I did I'd never heard that before. So I was like, I want to know what I gotta say next okay, time. I want to hear it. What is it? So what's so the now, answer now? So now it's just like, you know, I always feel successful now. And this is also through life and things I've been doing now yeah. that. I feel successful when I've actually helped somebody else become successful. That ah, yeah. I, Love that. Yeah. So it was one of those things that I know what, you know, if somebody came and reached out to me about, you know, nutrition, fitness, you know, whatever, whatever, I'm not an expert in anything by any means, but, but I was able to say something to them or hand them like, you know, like the hammer to go build a house or yes. don't, go hit, don't go hit yourself in the face with it, but to give them success. I was like, Hey, that's what that means to me now. You know, I mean, that may not be what, you know, the higher education or business people want to hear. But in my own perspective, that's what I feel like. If I've done something to help somebody and support them, like you just said, support others, it was just like, I feel pretty good about myself now that I was able to do that. So, See, you know why I love that? And I really respect that definition, Chris, because it's it's highly subjective, right? Like it is a personalized response based on where you seek value and feel value. Yeah. Right. Like it's it's a relationship you have by doing an action that makes you feel successful. Yeah. And I, I think that's something to take note, because I know I used to define success and it would usually have to follow a bunch of zeros, you know, after a one. Exactly. Like if that was the easy way of doing it, especially growing up in my 20s. You know, I just believed, well, success, the more money I make, the more successful I'll be. Yeah. Right. And, and then wondering, as I got into my 20s, and even to my early 30s, my company was scaling like crazy. And, you know, I, I, I was drinking more and more. And 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 yet here's the thing. I'm supposed to be like successful, but yet I'm making more money. I guess I can buy butter booze, but I'm not feeling, <laughs> I'm not feeling successful, you know, like and and so it's it's interesting. You know, I think we all have to sort of come to grips with what is the definition to us? Mm -hmm. What is success? mean and more importantly how does it feel 
right? How does it feel? Yeah, to how does us? it make you feel? Yeah. yeah. And so I loved your, your answer was awesome, man. That was Thanks. really well, well, I mean, really well said. You that know? was just, you know, me just getting out of my own way and actually sitting yeah. back and kind of what we've been talking about this whole time, just self-reflecting on myself and learning what's yes. for me in life. And like, where do I go from that information <laughs> and who do I have around me? They kind of, that we're going, kind of going all full circle here. And just, That's right. and if, again, if you were probably to ask me that in college right now, it would have been the same thing, what you just said, like, Oh, well, you know, if you're making six figures a year, you're successful. Or yeah. I forgot who even said it, that somebody where I heard it from or whatever, or picked it up, but somebody said, you're not successful unless you own a Rolex. <laughs> <laughs> and it was almost one of the things like, well, that's just a status symbol, you know, just to say like, yeah. Hey, you know, I got the the Lambo, I got the the Rolex yeah. wearing Gucci. And it's just like, you know, there's a lot of fake people who do that. And, and it's like, they might think they're successful, but they're probably in debt over their head thinking they're cool and stuff like almost con artist stuff type stuff. But it's, yeah, it just, uh, I was going to call it like the typical digital marketing funnel that we end up down, right? Like, <laughs> no. look at my house, look at my car, look at my watch, look at my everything. Like you can have this too, just at yeah, $9.99 and uh, it can be yours too, right? Like, well, oh, that was the man. thing for me growing up that if you had, you know, the big house and, you know, big money paychecks and stuff that yet means you're successful and that's nah, not necessarily it and you know a lot of people don't i don't know if a lot of people would believe that listening to this right now but i would hope they do just because like you said you got to find your own success and how to find out how it makes you feel so ultimately and, yeah that's really good that you brought that up too because success doesn't mean we feel fulfilled right and and i i think it's because we don't often tie the two together and when i mean that is that fulfillment is that feeling of it's not content. Like, I think content is almost like a downward or a downsell. <laughs> it's like the downward downsell version of being happy or joyful, right? It's like, I feel content. I feel okay. Like, I feel, I feel okay. Like I'm content with this. Like, it's like, to me, it's always been less than happy or less than joy. And, and I think, you know, success, it, 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 there's lots of different ways to define it, but really it's understanding like, I, how does it make us feel? You know, like what is that feeling that we get if we feel that we're successful? Mm -hmm. And because I think the feeling is way more attainable than anything else. And, and we can tie an action to a feeling. And if we can do that, then it, we can duplicate the feeling, right? Like, because it just do more of that thing <laughs> and it makes me feel successful. And, and it's neat when it's not tied to monetary gain, you know, like not to say that earning money is not a good thing. Earning money is a great thing. Yeah. We and why? Because it allows us to make more impact as well as support those that really matter to us. You know, charities that I want to support, I support. Why? Because I have money I can support them with. You know, and when I didn't have money, I would donate time. You know, and energy. Now I don't have less time, so I donate money. <laughs> like it's like, you know, it's like one or the other. But either way, I want to support them, and so we support any way we can. Yeah. And that's the best thing. Like I, I think just coming from a place of wanting to support, like what you said. You want to make a difference in someone else's life or another organization or a group or, you know, a community. Yeah. And that makes you feel successful because it is success to you. Yeah. And that's, dude, I'm like, hell yeah. Yeah. Man, that's awesome. It's yeah. awesome. It's just, so. I don't know, you know, exactly how I picked it up, but I just, you know, I guess it's just where I've done stuff in my life and just where it's just like, yeah. I reflected on it. It was just, like, hey. Oh, that's beautiful, man. I yeah. think it's great. You know, yeah. just, you know I'm not. I don't want to toot my own horn or anything, but it's just like, man, you know, I've really found out that's what I like, you know, and I, and it's one of those things that I, I kind of, when I look back on, it's like, you know, have I really found 
a lot about myself and what works for me and what do I like and, you know, my passions and yeah. stuff like that. But if, you know, and I, sometimes I used to say that a lot, just like, well, I haven't found my passions and stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's just like, but if I sit and actually think about it and just, you know, make notes and self-reflect again, again, you're just like, Hey, you know, now I'm getting dialed in now. And part of it yes. was starting this podcast and actually talking these thoughts out and stuff, you know, cause you know, like growing up, I don't think, I don't really remember sitting around the dinner table and having well articulate thought out, questions and you know my parents might get mad at me for saying this but it also seemed very materialized based on our conversations in my house and you know it wasn't like you know let's talk about you know the you know current trends in the news or whatever it was just kind of like you know what do we want to do this weekend or you know what do you think about buying this car and stuff like that you know like we're trading our car but yeah and it was just like as I got older I felt like I never had well articulate, well thought out conversations about anything. I just kind of felt a little bit, a little social anxiety, like you were talking about earlier. Just like if somebody were to bring up politics or religion, I would like kind of go like, "Ooh, I don't. I'm just gonna go sh- shady dip out the back here." <laughs> that way, I, I totally get that one, man. Yeah. I can relate so, to that. <laughs> and I'm, not, I guess, I'm not really sure where I was going with that point, but I guess it was just actually sitting. I guess the whole point of that was just that to actually sit it out and th- say things, things out loud, and it's just kind of. You know, my brain goes like, oh, now we're now we're hitting some home yes. runs here. Now we got it. We're dialed in. So well, well said. Either way, I like it. I'm taking something away from our call today, especially. Good. And Good. just this this I mean, I'm going to revisit my idea of success. You know, you've inspired me to, to revisit that definition and or at least my understanding of what that is for me. And and I, I think that's it's so subjective. But also at the same time, it's it's good for us to have that, you know, it's that, that nice reminder. Cause as much as we say success, I often think of success meaning the same as fulfillment. Yeah. You know, like that's success to me. I feel fulfilled. I feel like I've accomplished something that I've set out to accomplish and I can continue to accomplish it. Yeah. And that's the life I'm trying to live, you know? And, yeah. and to me, that's success is, yeah. is me being able to do what I want when I want with whoever I want. And at the same time, make the world a better place. Like if I can do all that, I'm like, hello, this is great. Like I feel successful, you know? You know, it's like, you know, you're, we were talking about role models. I know we're getting a little short on time here and I wanted okay. to, yeah. okay. but uh, should I lost my train of thought. So role models. Yeah. We were talking about yeah. that earlier and that you see these role models and you see that, you know, how they're living their lives. And mm-hmm. it's kind of like, Ooh, I kind of want to, I kind of want my life to be like that, you know? And sometimes they say, don't meet your heroes or whatever. You yeah, know? Right. But, but I mean, yeah. I think if you get, I guess to my point that if you get an idea of like, Hey, I, this is how I want my life to be. You know, I want to, you know, to go down this road of being a, a cool fit person with a happy family and a big house and, mm-hmm. you know, great kids and the white picket fence and all that stuff. Uh, but yeah. And then it's like, Hey, what do I have to do to make these small decisions and go down this road, you know, and to lead me there. And like, you know, I sometimes life does, you know, throw curveballs at you and, yeah. you know, you got to work around it and stuff. But yeah, I think that's just, you have to get, a vision or an idea of what you want in life and just kind of go after sure. in your own way. And I'm not saying you just go out and, you know, be a terrible person and, you know, steal from people and do that and get it that way. But, you know, I mean, hard work takes you far um, based on yes. parents. You know, if you don't mind doing the work, you don't pay your dues and eventually you hopefully get to where you want to be in life. So I like it. You know, it's, it's true. I mean, it's, it's often what we do and what we do often that shapes us in our lives, right? Like, and so if we want to, you know, sort of the scientific method, we look at what's the inputs, what's the outputs, you know? And well, if I change the inputs, will the outputs change, right? Like it's it's like, okay, well, I'm putting these in or I'm doing these things and I'm getting this kind of result. If I change the things that I'm doing, will it change the result? 
Yeah. Like, you know, Einstein had a bit of a definition around this, you know, like <laughs> around insanity. And yeah, you keep doing the same thing, you know, right? Like, yeah. And, and it's the same idea, though. It's like exactly what we're talking about, right? Like, it's, it's being able to at least recognize or at least take a step foot, uh, a foot backwards, right? A step backwards in our own life to be able to observe and just sort of try to look at things from a, a, a different perspective, you know, because when we're living it, it's tough to see anything else. This is tough, like, because we're in it, you know, it's like, just, this is my everyday. I can't see outside of it. And sometimes that's why we have to remove ourselves to be able to reflect, as you sort of talked about this, this idea of reflection or introspection. Yeah, you, and, that's a good word. Yeah, it is a good word, but we don't do it that often, do we? Oh, like we, oh. I, I remember the first time in my life, someone asked me, Ty, what do you want? I was like, what do I want? Like to watch on Netflix or like, what do I want for dinner? Like, what do you mean? What do I want? He's like, well, what do you want for your life? And I was like, oh man, I don't know. <laughs> I was like, honestly, I, I was like, I don't know. No one's ever asked me that. Uh, I've been there. You know, like, it, but why don't we ask each other that? You know, like, why? Why don't we ask each other? Like, hey, what do you want for your life, Chris? Like, what is it that you're working for? Like, what is it that you want for you, for your life, for, for, for the life that you're building for yourself? Like, what, what do you want? Like, we never talk about that stuff. We don't usually talk about that. Maybe we never, but we, we don't. No, it's a, uh, but it's really interesting. Like it's not just an observation, you know, I got that. Cause it's a question I'll often ask people. And it's like, why, well, hey, what do you want for life? You know? And people always sort of look at me like a deer in headlights initially, like, well, well, I've never been asked that. And I'm like, great. You know? So if you had to answer it, what would you say? You know, like, yeah. and, yeah, and it's, think about. but it's good to think about it. And I think that's the thing is, is it creating the space? And it's also why I, I believe in the act of journaling. You know, and I'm not saying yeah. pages and pages and pages, but if you feel inspired to do it, go ahead. But just to have a habit, set a timer for five minutes and just have a blank piece of paper just to answer a single question. People always say, well, what questions? I'm like, well, man, there's lots of different questions you can ask. You can say, what do I want? Yeah. What kind of human being do I want to be? You know, what kind of family man do I want to be? It, again, I'm speaking as a man that identifies as a man. So when I use those kind of masculine terms, I get it. Know I that. get it. Like, I'm with I got Dude, I got to put the disclaimer. My 19-year-old daughter reams me every time I don't say that. Oh, <laughs> because she's like, Dad, you can't just say that. And I'm like, well, I'm a man who identifies as a man. Oh, you didn't tell me that. And I'm like, okay, I'll tell you that. Like, so anyway, sorry. I go off and uh, uh, all good. I, I'm still learning all about the, the I well, you know. It's, I am too. Trust me, I am too. Uh, I'm, I'm figuring it out. Uh, I can only imagine in education, it's very real, right? Yeah, like, well, in my, in my position, I have it pretty good. I don't, I don't have to deal with it a lot, but. In other areas, like I see the outside looking in, it's you know, I'm glad I'm not in that group. I'm not. I'm glad I'm not that guy having to do with it right now. You it's, know, it's, it's it's hard. Like we're all sort of trying to navigate it as best we can, and and there's so much change happening so quickly. It's hard to keep up with it all. You know, like that, that's where I struggle. I'm just like, I just can't keep up with all of it. You know, and and to understand how does everybody want to be identified as, and it's like, okay, well where's where's it appropriate to ask this like and that's what i struggle with too at times like well like, i meet someone for the first time oh how can i refer to you yeah. what pronoun like is that an everyday conversation maybe it should be i i don't know like i'm just you know it's been great because i got teenage daughters that are right in the thick of things and they're educating me you know <laughs> they educate me about you know just just being a dad you know also well, pronouns and, and then how to use TikTok, you know, like it's like <laughs> it's pretty much that's what I learned from my kids, right? Um, but uh, uh anyways, I, I love what we've talked about today, man. It's like these are great conversations. And my invitation to everybody out there is like try journaling, ask yourself a question, what do I want, and just see what comes out, 
what do you write down on a piece of paper? Yeah. You know, that, it'd be a great exercise to start your journaling journey on. And uh, because until you start answering it, you just got to be happy with whatever you get, you know, whatever comes your way, just be happy with it. Because unless you're asking for it, you probably get exactly what you need. Exactly. And, and to your point with the pronoun stuff that the, uh, this was probably a year ago during the pandemic, I went to go shake somebody's hand mm-hmm. and they were like, Ooh, like, no, I don't shake hands. And I was like, Oh, we got to relearn how to do all this. again. So, <laughs> we don't it's so true. Yeah. yeah like, the, okay. the elbows and the, the, the yeah, ankle. Like, well, like, what do you want me to do here? Like, what do you want me to do? I don't know. <laughs> like yeah. it's just habit. But uh, before we get off here, I did want to ask though, cause one thing I did sure. about you that you say you date your wife. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. I wanted to, I was curious about that. It's like, what do you mean when, is it just how you, well, well let you explain. No, no, that's a great question, Chris. And I appreciate you, you asking. Um, I, I sort of alluded to you beginning of our call, like just language, right? It's so, so important. Okay. And such our, our relationship with words and terms and how we understand it. But I'm also like my background's in English literature and philosophy. So you can probably nice. get an idea where I go with this stuff. As much as I've been in fitness my entire adult life, um, that's my academic background, you know, is in the arts. But um, what, what I find really interesting about the term, you know, just this idea of dating my wife is there's a lot of intentionality with that, right? By saying that, putting it out there, it's also a reminder to me about the importance of always trying to bring my best version forward, especially for the person that I've committed to spending the rest of my life with. You know, and, and so, yeah, I've been dating my wife for 22 years. Because when you're dating somebody, you're always discovering new things. True. And you're always, and think about it, when you're just starting to date somebody, you're always acting as your best self. Oh, yeah. <laughs> always, oh, right? Yeah, it's yeah. like, Bring your well, opening the door, you know, like all those things. Right? You're doing it all. Sure. And, uh, but why do we stop doing that? Right? Why do we stop doing that? So it's just the intentionality with the terms, with the words. You know, people be like, "How long have you been married to your wife?" Well, actually, I've been dating her for twenty-two years. <laughs> people are like, "Oh, you date your wife?" I'm like, "Yeah, I do." Don't you date yours? <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, like, and, and and people are like, "Oh, I like that." And so the amount of people we've met and now tell me that's how they refer to one another, I love it. You know, and it was my wife that started. I'm giving her full credit. She's the one that started this. She's the one that got me onto it. And uh, cause she, you think I'm big on language. She's huge on language. Like to the point that, you know, you talk about self-talk, like if you're not talking positive yourself, well, you, you got to give yourself a talk, you know, oh. like <laughs> it's like, she's so good at this stuff. And, uh, and she, yeah, anyway, so I'm, I'm, I'm very grateful. That I like that. My- That's what I, I was kind of yeah. thinking, but I like that. Uh, I like that perspective on it. Thanks. Makes me, yeah. Now, because I, you know, I just got out of a relationship and now, but it makes me look at, you know, my future relationships. Ooh, that makes perfect sense. You don't always have to say just we're married or just because we're dating. Yeah. And it makes intentions. Like what you put intentions. Yeah. Yeah. Like, but it's also intentions, just, you know, setting our intentions. Like you Olympic lift, like I do, you know, and before you step up to the bar, especially if you're going for like a PR, right? Uh, Or a PB, like you have to set an intention. And you got it. You got to get your head into it. You got to set an intention, get focused, set yourself up and then go. And you can't flinch on it, especially doing a snatch, right? Like oh, there's yeah. no flinching on a snatch. You screw that up. You're going to lose it. You're off by two millimeters. You're done. You're dumping yeah. it, right? Like, well, when you get to those kind of loading and, and uh, but it's intentionality. And so we get that in sport. We understand having the intention, the focus, creating the flow state. Like it, you still need the intentionality. And well, we can have that intention with every area of life, every area. 
especially relationships, you know? And, and so that's my invitation to everybody. It's just be very intentional with your language, how you speak to yourself, but especially how you speak to others. So I like that. I do. I'm going to yeah. make sure I pass that along for the next <laughs> relationships. But why? Right, last question, and I'll let you get yeah. out of here. This uh, Apparently, this question is apparently breaking the internet. We were talking about it's oh. some stupid, stupid, stupid. So uh, let's hear it. Let's hear it. We were talking about the gym tonight, and uh, I was like, well, I'm going to ask you know, I'll ask him, ask him about see what it is. Sorry. Talk. I just so really apparently, oh, sorry, Siri. I don't know. Every once in a while, I'll say something with S, and she starts talking now. So she's just talking. Siri, <laughs> the question. So, um, all right, let me make sure I phrase right. Okay, so are there more doors or wheels in the world? <laughs> Holy, that's a great question. I'm going to, I guess it depends on, on how we classify a door. So if I'm, the way I, it was classified to me is like any door, just you walk through with a door, a regular door, that's a door. And okay. then wheel was like a steering wheel and like wheels on a hot oh, wheels car and, you know, regular cars. So I was like, what doors or wheels? I don't even know who came up with this question, but I'll let you- I mean, how do you even validate the question? Like, how do you validate the response? It's like one of those ones where it's like, is there even a right or wrong? I don't know, but- I keep saying I'm going to look it up, but I haven't yet, so. I want to say, like, you see, if you're going to go, like, out of the physical, I was going to say definitely doors. Uh, it's going to be because, like, the doors of our mind, right? Like, huh? there's so many doors you can <laughs> go through, Like, right? I was going to get really cryptic with it. But you know what? If I had to just answer it, I'd probably have to go with doors, you know? Like, I, I think there's got to be more doors. That, well, no, you know what? You're right. Wheels. There's got to be more. I don't know. I don't, I don't know. know. I don't either. You just broke my mind. <laughs> what is the answer? Is I don't know. I, 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 uh, they told me tonight that most guys will say doors. And I think they what she told me that most women are saying wheels. Okay. So, which, and I didn't really understand the logic behind it. And I keep saying I'm going to go look it up and I always forget about it. Until <laughs> I, now I actually go look it up. Yeah, I think I'm going to as well. Plus, I got to say, I love your X-Wing fighter. Oh, dude. Yeah, man. That's a... Uh, awesome not only do i do fitness but uh i do some legos dude that's a lego that's awesome yeah, yeah that's uh i love it I'm, well I've, I've got like I'm, I'm more into the comic side of things since you can see behind me like the the posters like and stuff it. like uh, i've done the batmobiles for legos like that's oh like yeah dude I, that is so cool well, i love it i think that's so pimp that's awesome hold on man like so this is my next one it's like the new the new Batmobile from Oh dude, I saw that on uh online the other day. It's like, oh my gosh, that's cool. So yeah, that so. is awesome. That's like the uh, Burton Batmobile, right? Like the no, I the, the Burton. No. This is like the new from the new movie. Oh, this is the new one, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's uh, the Dark Knight one. Yeah, I can't grab it right now, but Dude, that's so oh man, I love it. I had no idea. I, I didn't know that was a Lego. I thought it was a model. Those look so good. Yeah, they're Legos, dude. That's uh that's my thing. Like, you know, when I'm just don't have anything else to do, I just sit around and it just it makes sense to it's me. Good. It's stuff. creative too, though. Like those creative outlets, I think, are so critical. And uh that's awesome. All right on, man. But yeah, I'm a I'm a comic book nerd too, though. Um I got oh, yeah? all the movies, I've been watching all the TV shows. Uh yeah, man. How do you like the new Moon Knight? Uh, it's crushing man i'm loving what they're doing with yeah. it it's kind of like a little horror kind of sci-fi yes. you know, only the two episodes and i never did know anything about moon knight until these episodes and then after i watched the first one started going doing some back you know backtrack watching youtube videos yeah he's cool man like i like it yes. i dig it the egyptian god kind of thing yes mark specter's cool character too like it, it, i hope they go down that path a bit more about the mark specter side of things because he's just badass yeah he's like well, so badass. based on his 
second episode, it looks like that's how we're, we're going to get. So yeah, it looks that way. It's yeah. uh, I'm liking it. I, I mean, I, I think Disney's just got a secret formula there and it's just like, let's just go print some money. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like, I swear that's all they do, man. I'm just yeah. like, but it's good. I'll give my money to them. I do. Uh, I like it. <laughs> really. Man. It's a little uh, bit different compared to the, all the others. You know, I watched, you know, Hawkeye and uh, yeah. the other one before that, oh, the Captain America and the Falcon or whatever. But yes. this one's got that more kind of horror kind of thriller tick to it which it does and maybe i think it's got a cool story to it too though right like it's, maybe it's, how they're unraveling it because they're keeping it really like yeah anyways it's it's yeah, did you see know. morbius no I, I want to go see yeah. it but i'm yeah. i've read all the reviews and all the memes that came out and did you see it i did and it's not it's good as a Marvel movie. Um, I love the character Morbius, but I, I uh, and I think Jared Leto does a great job, but uh, just the story was a bit flat. That's all. That's what I was seeing. And then, yeah. you know, Jared Leto gets a bad rap on yeah. stuff. You know, like, you know, he was the Joker in Suicide Squad. And I kind of, you know, I get it what he did, the gold gangster kind of. Yes. But I liked it. He wasn't terrible, but he got, he got eight alive on that one. I thought he was pretty good, though, as the Joker. I mean, he did an okay job. I think a lot of us are just so conditioned to some of the other actors that played the Joker, and it's yeah. uh, that, that, such that, a good that's a great job. point, because I don't remember when that movie came out, but I don't know if he was following up Heath Ledger right then, but it's, you know, I think, I think it's what it was. And I think if you're following that up, I mean, I mean, even when Joaquin Phoenix came out, like, people were worried about him as being the Joker, but I, I think he crushed it, too. So He did, too. That Joaquin, man, that guy's... Like he's all next level. Like was such a great actor, huh? Yeah, like, yeah, oh man. Yeah. Sorry, we're totally geeking out here, and I know we're 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 deviating. We'll have to have a secondary conversation just yeah, to nerd out. Yeah, uh, <laughs> that's good. Uh, let's uh, yeah, let's uh, take this thing home. Uh, all um, right. If people want to find you more about you and all that good stuff, <laughs> uh, where do they do all that stuff? Well, the cool thing about having a unique name, which I didn't think was very cool when I was younger, because you can imagine the, 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 the kids can be pretty mean. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and uh, so the first name's Dai, yes, D-A-I, and the last name's Manuel, M-A-N-U-E-L. And so it's a Welsh first name, Portuguese last name, but I'm just Canadian. So <laughs> that's what I say to everybody. And if you can type my name in on any social platform, you'll find me because it's it's unique and I'm the only one with it. And uh, so nice. that's why I say it's actually kind of cool to have a unique name now. Nice. My website's just diamondwell.com. There's about 1,800 articles now. I've been blogging for about 14 years, all geared to helping people live their best life. So just it's all content to help you and help people with where they're at. And uh, so I always say, go there if you're looking for more on things that we talked about today. And then if you wanna have a conversation online, Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn, those are my three platforms I'm the most active on. One of these days I will be on TikTok. My daughter is teaching me, but uh, not right now. <laughs> yeah, I don't, know. I don't think I'm going to get into the dancing, but uh, I do really think it's a great platform for, for short messages, right? Like I, I think it's it's going to be the next YouTube, but for small format yeah. videos, you know, because it's their algorithm is just way better than everybody else's. So a whole new uh, short attention spans, like seven seconds. All right. Yeah, yeah right. <laughs> We're competing with goldfish now. That's so that's, uh, <laughs> Yeah, it's um yeah, anyways, I, I'm excited about it. But I, I, yeah, listen, I just want to acknowledge you, Chris. Thank you for the opportunity to be here to connect with you and your audience and uh love what you're putting out to the world, man. Keep doing it. And uh if I can be of any support, please let me know how. Right, we'll have a round two on uh comics and other yeah, know, all right. I'm in dude, I'm in. That'd yeah, be we'll great. Send, we'll send people down that road a bit, making their best life with that stuff. I don't know. Yeah, no, why not? It's great. But, but thank you, dude. You're a badass person, man. I was glad I'm glad we had glad we did this. So likewise, and uh really appreciate the connection and uh looking forward to reconnecting again soon.
Good, good deal. All right, folks, we're out of here. Uh, need anything else you want to say? You good? Okay. Peace. Good. <laughs> All right, we're out of here. Peace <laughs> <yourself>, folks. <laughs>